Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely killer talk. We're going to sit down and talk with ETSU PhD candidates, John Waggle and Kevin Carroll. And guys, we're going to be talking about the K-Box and flywheel technology and all things associated with it. These guys are breaking it down, studying everything about it right now, and are doing super work. We're actually going to post a bunch of links below in the descriptions on YouTube, Podomatic, and iTunes and on the webpage itself, and Facebook, for you guys to be able to check out what they've already published. Uh, but we're going to start talking out with what flywheel training actually is and how it works. You know, they get into uh, how the device actually assists with training and what actually inputs the output that you put into the work. Uh, and then we get into a whole bunch of stuff that they're doing, uh, what they're looking at, why they're looking at, and we get into abstracts and papers they've already put out, and the direction the research is going. Guys, obviously, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of everything that, you know, the people are doing out there at ETSU. Um, you know, Dr. DeWeese will be here in July. Really excited to have him here and really excited that they're branching out and they're bringing in coaches who are trying to improve themselves in an educational standpoint to help improve the field. So kudos, Kevin and John, for the work you're doing. Appreciate you guys being on. I hope you enjoy the talk as much as I did, guys. I think it's fantastic. Let's get right to it. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, let's take a quick rundown, let everybody know where you guys are, who you are, and what you're doing out there. Um, well, uh, I'm John Waggle. I actually come to ETSU from uh, DePaul University. I was the director of sports performance there before uh, leaving and, and coming down to pursue my PhD under all the, the great faculty here. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I've been a strength coach, I guess, for, you know, five to seven years. So I was kind of a part-time strength coach at the Division three level, um, helping out as I was a baseball coach. But, um, you know, originally from Illinois, and uh, now I'm excited to be down at ETSU and learning from all the faculty and the students, too. You know, we we kind of lean on each other to, to learn a lot, and we get to be around coaching and all that, too. So it's a, it's a really exciting time kind of all around. But Yep. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Kevin. Uh, you know, I've been at ETSU. It's my fourth year now, so uh, I'm getting my Ph.D. I'm finishing up right now. Uh, I got my master's here as well. Uh, I've worked with a variety of different sports teams here in strength and conditioning. Uh, most most notably, softball is my primary responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, before I was here, uh, I did an internship with the uh, uh, strength and conditioning staff for Texas football, 
And uh, prior to that, I was at Appalachian State. Uh, I got my bachelor's there and worked in the weight room there as well mm -hmm. as an intern. It's awesome. And obviously the staff there is, and the faculty, it's second to none and not a group that needs yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. We, we could go on and on about, about all that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, we, we've got some good opportunities to be around and we get to be around every day. Oh, no doubt about it. And, and right. what I think is interesting, though, is you look at the people that you're studying under, and most of them are more weightlifting-oriented. But we're here mm -hmm. today to talk about a different tool. Right. So, mm -hmm. so let's first, let's just start talking about what the K-Box is. This is something that's kind of become a sexy toy. People uh -huh. look at it and, you know, because Ryan Horn puts those great videos up where he's got his guys and they're making all these crazy faces. So let's <laughs> really talk about, you know, what it is and how it provides this uh, eccentric overload. Um, mm -hmm. and, and let's start rolling from there. Right. Uh, yeah. So basically what the K box is, is a uh, flywheel resistance. Uh, it, uh, it, there's three major main components to it and it has to do with, uh, the disc on the front a lot of, uh, so that, that disc that attaches to the front of the device, uh, uh, pretty much provides the resistance. So the three kind of core elements to it is the, uh, uh radius of that disc the mass of the disc, and thirdly, it's the acceleration of that disc. So the uh, acceleration is user-created. So based on uh, how you're moving it, that, that depends on how fast the disc is moving, how much resistance is mm -hmm. applied. And you know, for the coach, that means that intent really matters, strength level really matters, and explosive strength, you know, all those things matter because they're gonna influence the resistance that the device gives you. Um, the, the other thing that, um, potentially makes a difference is the, um, the tether, we'll call it, that attaches to the handle or strap or whatever the, the K-Box provides a lot of accessories. Um, but Jay, you know, I, I come from the basketball world like you, um, working at DePaul, I, I had some tall fellas. Uh, so, you know, the exercise selection and the height of the athlete are actually going to impact, uh, what happens to the device more than likely as well, just from like a, you know, physics equation standpoint on how this device is working, not necessarily that it's been, you know, put in a research article or anything like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No. Awesome. So the simple breakdown, big, heavy disc, a lot of work to do. Small, mm -hmm. skinny disc, not as much work to do. Absolutely. But what's, what's awesome down there at, at ETSU is this is what your guys' research is. Mm -hmm. Yep. So let's talk about some of the stuff you guys are doing and what we're looking at here. Yeah, I mean, ultimately we are, you know, unsure of exactly how that resistance compares to traditional loading, um, you know, which kind of led us to explore, you know, the different kinetics. And uh, we, we collected DMG. We haven't done anything uh, with it as far as publication or anything just yet. But um, that, that stuff needed to be addressed before we even think about um adaptation or anything like that and dr sato is the primary investigator and mike stone dr mike stone is uh you know the lab director so those two obviously are you know the the big figureheads that are driving some of these questions and um putting us honestly in a position to be able to do some cool research but those were kind of the initial questions right. with um kevin and i's coaches college abstract was to 
start to address those. Right. And the first thing we got to ask when we have, whenever we see a, a new device on the market or any device is how does it work? You know, we before we start thinking about, you know, how, you know, how is, uh, you know, John going to use this with his athletes? Mm -hmm. uh, we got to figure out what it's actually doing, what kind of resistance it's applying. Is it a consistent uh, resistance or is it variable? And that's, you know, one of the first things we did for our coaches college uh, abstract was mm -hmm. uh, uh, we wanted to determine if the uh, force within an individual, like during a set would remain constant. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much what we did. And uh, what we found out was that it does. So within, within an individual, uh, within a set, you know, that force output remained constant. So then we can kind of build off of that. And we started to get some, uh, some other, you know, ideas off of that and we can, you know, start to build a more broad research question. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And really kind of what we were talking about earlier with the radius of the disc, the mass of the disc, those things mattering there, there's an absolute element to the resistance that the K box can give you, but there's also a relative element provided by the, the lifter. Um, so those kind of things let us, let Dr. Shadow and Dr. Stone to ask those questions. And so we collected and kind of interpreted that information, but, um, there, there was a difference. It, it was same for an individual across the set, but you know, like Kevin said, it's, if there was a difference between individuals, uh, across different loading conditions, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about, that strength level matters, intent level matters. You know, all of those things are going to influence the resistance that the K-Box gives back to you. Yeah. Um, so let's break that down a little bit more, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we saw two major. So uh, within that individual, within a set, like we talked about, there it's the same. But there were two differences that we saw. And that was when they increased the size of the wheel, the force changed. So mm -hmm. from that, we kind of we, we were able to determine that there is some form of overload being applied when you increase the, the size of that disc. Uh, so that was, that was important. And the other thing that we noticed within a single disc size, uh, between subjects, the force was different. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, within a subject, it's all, or within a lifter, whatever, it's all the, it's, it's the same, but based on a person's effort level or strength level, it can change. So that third core element of the flywheel resistance that the K-Box uses, uh, the user created acceleration, that becomes uh, a tool uh, to use that, I guess, uh, the more force you put into the, put into the, uh, the device, the harder it's going to get, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So. Yep. No, that's awesome. So then, Looking at, at the paper then, what are some key takeaways that coaches can take from it? Um, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing is that this does provide progressive overload. So there's some commonalities in uh, at least the training methods that you're used to um, in that regard. You know, and some of the subsequent questions we're going to answer is exactly what is that intensity? And we'll talk maybe a little bit about that later. But um, it, it does provide some sort of alternative stimulus. Again, we're trying to figure that out uh, to some extent. But the, the big thing that I think the K-Box does is that it regulates the resistance based on the person. 
and that's unique in that a barbell does not necessarily do that. Um, right, 315 just, is 315, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Right we are. Yeah, so, so there are some regulatory elements just in, inherent in the device. Yeah, yeah, so that, that's very interesting. And uh, uh, how, is, how do you say? So uh, there's all these different types of eccentric overload that we kind of hear about right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, K-Box is interesting uh, because it might be different, right? So it's, it's probably different than traditional exercise, traditional lifting, but it's also probably different than some of these other methods out there. So it brings up an interesting question. We don't know the answer to this yet, and it's one of the things we're looking at right now, but uh, can this be a novel stimulus for someone who might be more advanced? You know, maybe, a, maybe it's a, an advanced bodybuilder who, you know, uh, traditional lifting is just, they're, they're kind of at their peak. Maybe this is a, a novel way to stimulate the muscle uh, because how you, the adaptation of a muscle is going to be, uh, dependent on the stimulus that you apply to it. So, uh, if, if this, if K-Box is a novel stimulus to the muscle, then it could provide some type of, uh, novel adaptation that someone hasn't, hasn't achieved yet, you know? Mm -hmm. So. No, that's, that's awesome. And I think that. Using and seeing it used with my student athletes and using it myself, I think that whatever value uh, feel has mm -hmm. to it, I think there's definitely a unique adaptation that comes from using the device. <laughs> yeah. And, and those questions will be answered a little bit later, but, you know, right. kind of what we, we started off with is what Dr. Sato and Dr. Stone, you know, first – strive to do I think is what does this device do and so that's kind of where we're at uh, I think in the process right now is to kind of answer like okay this thing is obviously doing something unique how is it unique and, and that's what we're trying to kind of figure out because once you answer those acute questions then you can start to make kind of better guesses on what it's going to do adaptation wise and more chronically and then how it fits into your training plan or how it fits into, you know, preparation for this sport, that sport, whatever. But, you know, first you got to kind of answer some of these fundamental questions. And that's even if you're coaching or if you're on the academic side or anything, you know, you have to kind of figure out what tools you have at your disposal. And that's right. and where it fits where, into your and plan. Where it fits in, right. yeah. 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 Oh yeah, no doubt. And, and what they need to be prepared at or with to be prepared to use it. For sure. Right. Yeah, for right. it to actually be able to provide the adaptation that it should. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Right. So you've hinted a couple things. Let's look at the future since we know what's going on now, what you guys are trying to do. So, so where do you guys see this continued uh, dissection of flywheels going with the, the research that you're looking at? Well, the, the big thing, uh, you know, we've said it, couple times already is uh we have to figure out what the intensity is what what load is being applied so and that is that's probably the most challenging thing that we've had to encounter so far uh we have to figure out how to quantify it you know so like we said 315 is 315 on the bar but uh since there's that user generated uh you know resistance within the k-box uh we have to figure out how do you measure it 
So how do that, you know, my athlete didn't do too much today on the K box or how do I know if they didn't do enough? And uh, one of the possibilities we're, we're uh, looking into for that is velocity. So we're going to track velocity of the movement. So using some of those uh, velocity-based training principles that, uh, you know, some of those great minds have kind of figured out, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to use those kind of velocity ranges to maybe help uh, figure out those, those load ranges, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's ultimately, I think, going to be the question that needs answered for coaches to start to figure out, okay, how do I progress this upwards? Where does it fit into my plan? Is is being able to quantify, okay, what does, you know, the the small wheel to the medium wheel to the large wheel mean for each individual athlete possibly? Um, because, you know, our coach's college paper kind of suggests that there might be some differences across individuals between loading conditions um so you know that that might be something that uh is pretty interesting actually and you know dr sato and um dr stone have you know i think kind of devised a pretty good plan to to look at some of those things and start to answer those questions for coaches right right so then so we know those velocity areas and target Mm-hmm. velocities and, and such. How are you measuring it on that? How are you measuring it? How are you measuring it on the on the K box? Like I'm looking at mine right now. It's like it's <laughs> it's right there. Um I'm looking at mine and I'm like I'm trying to figure out where I would tether a gym aware on it, but I don't um so how how are you guys looking at that how are you looking um, to do that? Magic, yeah. Magic. Magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, right now we're, we're using the uh, push device on it because it's, it's wireless, so we don't have to worry about, you know, attaching it to a bar or anything. Um, you know, we're holding a PVC pipe to put it in the correct position so that it recognizes what we're actually doing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, a, I'm an expert wheel spinner. So, you know, the people get to hold the PVC pipe in the typical right. back squat position while I spin the wheel for them and, right, right. and get it going. So um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the current method that, that is being workshopped right now. But right. We'll, we'll see how it adapts and how it, you know, kind of plays out. when. So then that you're, you're only looking at squat then in that situation? For now. Yes, for now. Mm-hmm. So then what other exercises, if there were, did you look at in the paper? And can we look at – can we uh, – Talk about how you broke those down and separated those individually. Uh, we did not. We, we've only looked at the back squat. Uh, we we want to keep it pretty bare bones so we don't confuse ourselves, yeah. you know, by, yeah. by looking at too many things at once. It's pretty uh, easy to do. Right, yeah. Everybody squats. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, I don't say everybody. I, I hope everybody squats. So, yeah. so we want to figure out you know, how does that work. That's a popular exercise. Everyone wants to know about the squat. So uh, we look at that first, and then we kind of branch off in, yeah. uh, in the other realms from there. Yeah, and one, it's kind of a, you know, a progression of even answering these basic questions of what does this device do? That Step one might be what does this do with the squat? Yeah. And then step two, before we even get into adaptation, before we even get anything added, not, you know, it could be that we need to answer right. what other exercises do. but. Now I've used it for some bicep burners myself, but I don't. <laughs> I, I haven't attached a force plate to it or nothing yet. No, but I'll so tell I, you, I, I think that's a huge point. 
that people overlook when they're looking at these things as well is that, you know, they get all excited because it's like, you know, your new toys are always so pretty yeah. on Christmas, but that's, that's what we use it for is we squat with it. I've had a couple of guys who have done some like hip hinging things with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like my like super duper advanced, yeah. you know, to the point where it's almost like, I don't even want to put, you know, weight right. straps in this guy's hands like this. Let's yeah. just do this. Cause it's different. And we know yep. we need to do something there. Um, but I well, do and I, go ahead. And just earlier on, we, we talked about too, how even the, the tether may influence the resistance given back. So, you know, exercise selection really might matter. Right. Um, and that's something, again, we haven't explored yet, but just from, you know, kind of how the device works, it, it, it might matter for even what resistance the device is giving back to you and, you know, all of that. So um, definitely questions worth exploring. Oh, 100%. And if you're going to look at something, you might as well look at, A, what it's really best for. I mean, I guess you could argue other things, but you'd probably lose. And and the <laughs> second being, what is the biggest thing that it can do? You know, like, I mean, I'm sure that you had, you know, two thick plates and, and a small one on when you were doing your bicep burnouts. But you oh, know, yeah. some people can't even squat that. So it's like when you can handle more load, it's just going to give you more variance and, and better data. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and there are uh, probably, you know, some different loading conditions that we can explore and things in the future too, because that, that's a good point you brought up of, of our initial um, exploration with Coach Sato, or Dr. Sato, I mean, Coach Talk now, you know. <laughs> Dr. Sato, Coach Talk. Uh, yeah, Coach Hat, uh, was small, medium, large wheel. And so, you know, kind of one thing that's being potentially um, added to the next round is, is adding smaller increment loading conditions. Right. Too. And combining wheels. And yeah. combining wheels yep. and, and doing things like that. So um, that, that should be a kind of another interesting wrinkle that Dr. Mm-hmm. Sato and Dr. Stone have put out there. And, you know, and, you know it's just like it's there's a you, you said it earlier. There's so many different toys out there right now. And uh, it's really about. It's not about determining that the K-Box or whatever other tool you want to use is the only thing you need to use in your training. It's about where does it fit into your plan. And I, I think that's what uh, we really try to do here at ETSU with, with you know, everything that we do is it's not about, you know, you know, how much their testosterone changed or something, you know, it's, it's about, it's about how did it, how did it affect performance? Where does it fit into your periodized plan? And, and, you know, how do you use it going forward? You know, and that's yeah. kind of what, what the information needs to be actionable. Right. Exactly. Sure. No, a hundred percent. And yeah. no, I, I, and I think that's great, but I think that now, now the next question is we, we stated earlier that, it's effort-based. Yep. So how do you, as a coach, being devil's advocate, how do you combat that? 
Me, well, because, and you know where I'm going because you coach basketball. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, not to, you know, get into a diatribe about necessarily my, my coaching philosophy, but, you know, I think if intent is part of your program from day one and it's something that you express as valuable from when you first get with the guys and they know it's important and they know that. Ultimately, that they are important to you too. So this is something that not only you care about, but that you care about them and you care about their performance. That the K box again just becomes a tool that gets introduced into the way that your guys go about their training. Yep. So you know, I think that ultimately it happens way before you introduce a device or something novel or you know yeah. anything like that. Because that's the just end of the way day. you coach. Uh, at the end of the day, if your athletes aren't putting effort, why the hell are you using, you know, this piece mm -hmm. of tech, you know, why fix that, yeah. fix, get your athletes ready to, ready to train, you know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. No, that, that's a great answer. And it's mm -hmm. because I think that it's really a fascinating tool that I think we're going to find can do a lot of things. I think the one place that we're going to see it show up having the highest amount of transfer is cutting, change of direction, those things. Because people that really do have a high level of intent are going to be able now to stop. Because even more so than the eccentric overload is just the stopping power that you have to have. Um, at least what I've seen with my guys. Um, but the guys who 315 is always 315, yes, but you can't make 315 look like 405 without putting 405 on the bar. And I think that that would probably be, and it's probably my own fault for not really having a good enough understanding of the meter, um, and how to use it and, and implement that better since I'm, I'm pretty infantile in the stages of what we're doing with it. Um, At the very least, the meter provides objective feedback, though. Right. Which, you know, from a coaching standpoint, whenever guys can see in front of them a number go up or down or stay the same, you know, that, that's meaningful to them. Yep. And it gives them something just of external motivation to try harder. <laughs> yep. Yes, 100%. So yeah. then if you're – let's switch spots, okay? You're coming out here and you're going to say, this is why I think that these flywheel-type devices are, are important and why coaches need to look into being more forward-thinking in these types of things. You know, like I just brought up, I think that that's one of the spots where it's going to show up in performance is that stop in the cutting. Where do you guys foresee this having its highest transfer training when it comes to actual athletic performance? Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to speculate too much because uh, we, we really have to get to that level where we're actually doing some longer term mm -hmm. stuff, but you know, if I, if I had to give an opinion, I, I would say hypertrophy. 
I, I would say that uh, just anecdotally, that thing crushed me, man. <laughs> so, so you had more yeah. than one round on the biceps. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so uh, I think that uh, you know, uh, and I have nothing to really support this besides my own experience. But metabolically, you know, it was tough getting up and down those weight room stairs the next day. You know what I mean? So uh, I. I would like to see, you know, uh, its effect on, you know, muscle size or, or, or hypertrophy, you know, and that's, that's where I personally think, uh, so maybe earlier in the training plan, you know. No, I think that's fantastic. What about you, John? Yeah, I, I'm not sure, honestly. And, you know, I, uh, I'm a little bit more careful to speculate at this point too, because I haven't done as many bicep blasters on as Kevin has. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's at this point it, it's, it's novel and sometimes, you know, it, you just need a novel stimulus. So, um, where it fits in, I'm not sure. Um, but we're seeing that it is different somehow. Uh, we're not, again, we're not exactly sure how it's different, but the fact that it is different is important. Um, and, and is something that is worth continuing to explore to see if we can answer some of those questions. But, you know, it's uh, loosely educated speculation right now, which is yeah. what information we do have um, on the device. Yeah. Completely and totally fair enough. I love it. It's, uh, we're going to stick to our guns and we're going to keep digging until we find the answers. That's what we got to do. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, but what we do know is... It's extremely reliable rep to rep, and it's mm -hmm. going to be based upon the size of the disc and the speed of the movement and that intent. Like everything we do matters, and, and strength level too. It, it would appear. Yeah, you know. and we know that we've got coaches doing research out there at ETSU that are are going to dig and find the answers and, and guys that I. Can't thank you enough for, for doing all that and being with us today. Oh, oh thank yeah, you. Yeah, I appreciate it. it. Yeah. So, Kevin, John, I appreciate it, man. This is going to be up real soon. People are going to love it, man. And uh, and we will awesome. be in touch real shortly. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. Oh, before we do go, okay. let's also remind people <laughs> that the Velocity people that they're talking about will be here in July, as will Dr. Brad DeWeese from ETSU. Yes, he will. Yep. And – and these guys will be there too, coming with Brad. So yep. there'll be plenty yeah, of folks coming like from the Olympic training site. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, man, it's uh, stoked that you guys will be able to make it, and uh, and really excited that uh, that you'll be here and, and to have Brad and Brian. And can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on with us today, fellas. Really do appreciate it. We'll, we'll deliver a good one, that's yeah. for sure. So that's <laughs> no doubt about that's that. worth its price. Right there. <laughs> awesome. We'll appreciate it, guys. We'll be in touch real soon, all right? All right. Yeah. Take care, Jay. Yeah. Thanks, Have guys. Take care. Yeah. And again, a huge thanks to John and Kevin for being on and talking with us today, guys. Make sure you click those papers, the links below. Check out what they're doing. I mean, it's it's coaches going out there and trying to find answers for other coaches, and that's what they're doing out there at ETSU. And I, I can't thank them all enough for pushing the profession forward. Uh, absolutely fantastic. And, guys, as always, if you enjoyed the discussion, Please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Spread the word, guys. Just trying to get great information out to all the great coaches out there. And hopefully we'll see you guys 
along with John and Kevin and, and Dr. DeWeese here for the 2017 seminar, July 21st and 22nd at the University of Richmond. We couldn't be more excited for the lineup. We hope you guys are as well. We hope to see you then. And guys, we'll be back next week with another awesome guest. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We will see you then.